And welcome back to another episode of 30 Flirty and Surviving. It's Tracy. New episodes drop every Monday at 9 a.m. on iHeart, Apple, Spotify. And you can check out some of our video clips on YouTube. Follow along with the show at 30 Flirty Surviving on Instagram and TikTok. And please make sure to like, comment, leave a review, subscribe, share with a friend. It helps a lot and I appreciate it. In the past, I've done this just a little bit, just a sprinkling where I've brought in some people who are close to me and my heart. I've had my sister, I've had a close friend, and today I have another close friend with me, but I'm really excited because not only is she just a close friend, she is somebody that I admire. She has an incredible career and a really interesting story, so it's like a two-for-one, which is really special. A two-for, a BOGO, if you will. (laughs) A BOGO. So if you would allow me to introduce my very, very best friend, Miss Helen DeWitt. Helen DeWitt Keaty, but technically not Keaty. Yeah, yeah, I didn't right? change my last name. Never yeah, did it. Never, never did it. Yeah. Say hello to the people. That? Hello, people. <laughs> <laughs> Helen is a big supporter. She's been following along the show since day one. She came to the live podcast. We have been friends since we were 16. Yeah, probably. Goes like, way, way back. Like eighth, ninth grade, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So maybe even younger. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Man, man, oh man. Time flies when you're having fun. Time does fly when you're having fun. But she is a PA and she works in the hospital. So yes, we're going to have a little bit of fun with it since we are so close. But I also really want to highlight her profession. We've had Christina, who is your friend. That's how I know Christina. We kind of talked about you on her episode. Oh yeah, you guys called me out a ton. We did. (laughs) Because at the time you weren't listening to any of the episodes, you've really corrected that along the way. Oh my gosh. I appreciate that. But I feel like her point of view, we talked a little bit about when she was in the ER, but like a lot of it was really on the cosmetic side of things. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk more about like your education, sort of getting to becoming a PA. and what it's like in more of a hospital setting and dive deeper in that. But also just a couple personal questions since I know you and your story so well. But I'm going to start off the same way that I always do with the basic introductory questions, if you'll play along. Yeah, of course. Where were you born and raised? Boston, Mass. I was born at Beth Israel. You were Um, born and raised in Boston? Yeah. Or Milton? Okay, so technically, I had like my first two years of life in Cambridge. I don't remember that. Okay. <laughs> then we moved to Jamaica Plain. I consider that like Boston okay, yeah, area. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Until I was like 12 and then Milton mm. for the, like the next probably like decade and then further and further South Shore. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I could say like Boston area. Yeah, you can actually. Okay. <laughs> That's my bad. That's my bad. I guess I didn't think about that. I just think of Milton when I think of you. I know, right. I know. Yeah. It's hard to say like what like growing up is because I'm like, okay, the first yeah. like 12 years were like Jamaica Plain. And then, yeah, I don't know. But true. It's like the growing up part is parts you don't remember as much. Yeah, exactly. But it does answer the question more literally. Mm-hmm. So fair. You stumped me. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. What's your age? I am 33. I always have to think about it. 33. And you yeah. turned 33 in December, December, which makes you what? I am a Capricorn. Woo-hoo! 
we got a little tip about this. Yeah, Do you want did. to tell them what yeah. happened? Right before this, I was like, you little Sagittarius, you. And she was like, I'm not. I'm day one of a Capricorn. Yeah. So now I'll never forget. Yes. But you definitely are a Capricorn. Really? Do you like feel my like personality? You, yes. I don't know sure. much about like astrology. I don't. But I do. I you have some Sagittarius in you since you are a cusper. Okay. But like I, I think because Sagittarius, they're very bold and like fiery personalities. And, you know, Aries, t- like I, we bring that out in one another. Helen, <laughs> Helen and I used to get in some tuffles back in the day. Oh, yeah. We, we, we were like very, yeah, we're very strong willed. And we believe in what we believe in and that yeah. would cause some Most people of call minds. that stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. But we've come a really long way since yeah. then. So I definitely see some of those qualities in you, but then also as a Capricorn, I feel like you're such a leader and you're like very structured. You're very motivated. You're very dedicated, like you're career oriented, future goal oriented. So I see both sides of you for sure. Tell me more. Compliment me more. No, that's all I got for today. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the night is young. The night is young. Let me let me ease into it. My gosh. Um, relationship status. Single and ready to mingle. You're such a freaking liar. <laughs> okay, I'm kidding. Okay, so I am married to James. Is my husband. We've been married for almost four years, but we've been together for. We started like. Hanging out in 2008, my senior year of high school. So crazy. Yeah, yeah. pretty much as long as I've known you, James has been in the picture. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to get rid of him. We adore James. <laughs> Honestly, I say this like, and I mean it. Yeah. I mean, I love you, but like, if God forbid anything ever happened, James isn't going anywhere. Yeah. Like, I still need him in my life. We love James. <laughs> oh We're keeping gosh. James around. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, um, and he did ask for a shout out, so he got it. <laughs> He got, got it. it. He got, got it. it. Um, and you guys have, you said been married for four years mm-hmm. and you have three kiddos. Yes, we have our hands full at home. We have Maya as my oldest. She just turned five on Monday. Crazy. Crazy. Five going on like 15. Yeah. Um, and then I have a two-year-old, Nicholas. We call him Nico for short. And then I have an eight-month-old, Savannah. So yeah, girl, boy, girl. Yeah, and you're done. Busy. Done. Done. No more. No more. Is an understatement. (laughs) Um, I also love that you have like Maya Moo, we call her, Mm -hmm. Nicholas is Nico, Savannah Savvy. I love that each of your kids have their own little nickname and they're also kind of like their personalities too. I feel like they they just fit them so well. Oh, so well. And I want to um, talk about your career. I also have one thing that I want to get into before we dive into that. But since we're on the topic, just really quickly, I I want to ask you if you're comfortable sharing, if you wouldn't mind, like, obviously in the show, we talk about many different women from different walks of life, like different career paths, different journeys. And we kind of celebrate like the ups and the downs or like the non-traditional unorthodox and just want everyone to feel like they're being represented. And one of the things that I love about your story is obviously you and James were together for quite a long time, but um, you guys didn't necessarily go the quote unquote traditional route. Maya came first, then you had a house, then you got married, right? Yes. Uh, Wait, was that on a the second. order? No, we got a house first. And Did then you know Maya. you were pregnant? No, before the house. No. Yeah. No. Oh, so yeah. you had the house. Yeah. Then Maya. Everything is all jacked up. <laughs> the house, Maya. Then you got engaged. Yes. Then you got married. Yeah. Okay. What was that like for you getting pregnant before you had finalized like the sort of 
quote unquote, like stability of your relationship or like the yeah title. So, so I think like, because you, as you said, James and I have been together forever. We kind of knew we were, you know, we had always been talking about like kids and marriage and stuff. And when we bought a house first, I, he really wanted to buy the house first. I wanted to rent. Mm-hmm. We were both still living at home with our parents. And he was like in the mindset, like, I don't want to rent and like give my money away to like not owning property myself. Like I want to invest and like have a home of my own. And Smart. yeah, so he was like, we got to let's move in together for sure. We both wanted to move in together. But he I was like, let's rent. He was like, let's buy. So anyways, I gave in and we bought. <laughs> we had our first house in Weymouth close to you. Yes. And yeah, Maya, um, <laughs> things didn't go as planned. <laughs> but honestly, like looking back, obviously, she's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I'm yeah. a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. We both come from pretty religious families. So we were obviously like rightfully so wicked nervous about telling them, but they were both amazingly accepting and so happy for both of us. Um, And so I think like once we got it out to like our family and friends and like seeing how acceptive they were of it, it made us feel like more obviously like comfortable and at ease because that was a huge part of what will will people think of us, right? Like that was the first thought, especially our families who are very religious, but it, it's weird, like like going to work and like and like telling people at work and like people who you're not as close to, like mm-hmm. I'm pregnant. They're like, oh, like you're not. Married. So you still like, felt like I mean, I she still, just turned five, but mm-hmm. it's like five years ago that was still very much a thing. Like, oh wait, totally. you're pregnant, but wait, are you married? Are you engaged? Like totally. And we weren't either at mm-hmm. the time. Like, of course, we talked about marriage, but we weren't engaged either. Yeah. So it was definitely like nerve wracking to like tell people outside of our close friends um, and family to see how they were going to respond, but there wasn't a single person that was like, I mean, maybe behind our backs, but there no. wasn't anyone that was like, <laughs> like, oh, geez, really? Like, so I don't know. I, it's kind of cool that we did our things our own way yeah. and we still continue to do so. I feel like. Like not taking his last name. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm really glad that was your experience. And yeah. I think that anyone could relate to that, like, uh oh, kind mm-hmm. of like, oops, like we weren't planning for this right now and that apprehension you might feel. But I think that times have changed and the fact that everyone really met that news with like open arms and was just excited for you and supported you is really reassuring. Totally. And the other thing that I kind of want to ask you as an aside to that is this is no hate to anybody else, but I feel like what I see often is a couple finds out that they're engaged or that they're pregnant, sorry. And then like immediately it's like getting engaged, getting married and doing it like right away and kind of wanting to have that there before, which totally understand why somebody would want to do that. But I also see from the other side, it's like, well then do you want to have your wedding while you're pregnant? And like, do you want to not be able to like drink your champagne and like toast and celebrate? And like, is that too much to kind of like plan all at once, right? Like, oh, I'm having a baby and I have to plan to prepare for a wedding. Yeah. So I'm just curious from your, are you, you guys waited until after she was born and then she was able to be a part of the, of the wedding ceremony, which was amazing. (laughs) So having done it your way do you feel like going back you would do it the same all over again or would you do it differently 120 percent would do it the same way yeah so she was born in april and then we got married like 15 months later like the next summer a Mm -hmm. year later and totally like all the things you said like i didn't want to like rush to plan something like uh, i knew that like the envisioned like my wedding day and like i wanted the things that i like had envisioned in that and 
I didn't want to like have one of those shotgun weddings. I wanted to enjoy the process, like enjoy the planning, um, and do it the way that I always envisioned it. I feel like James being a guy just like couldn't probably care less. Like I feel like if we had, if I said like I want to get married and like he would have done no matter what, yeah, yeah, like right now. But he was very like we'll do whatever you want to do. So yeah. and then I I definitely wanted Maya in our wedding. That was the other thing, and so. She was supposed to be our like flower girl, but she was like I said, like fourteen months I think when we got married. Yeah. So she wasn't like exactly walking great on her own, and so we quickly realized that as it was like approaching. Yeah. But she still got to like come down the aisle and like yeah, walk back with like, us. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't, I would not change it for a thing. Yeah, I just I like seeing it both ways. I think yeah. either way is totally beautiful. But mm-hmm. I like that you. It's I think probably because you were met with so much support and like praise to begin with like you didn't feel that pressure of we have to do it where I know that some people that are maybe their families are more religious it is a requirement so Mm -hmm. it's nice to see both sides yeah I love that. Thank and thank you, you so for being much. vulnerable and sharing. Of course, yeah. So we're definitely going to get into your career because I do want to okay. talk about it. But I, it's not very often that I get to have one of my friends okay. on the show. And I have a story that I want to tell you about. And I felt like it'd be funny to tell I you now you because yeah. I want your like real reaction because you always right. have the best reactions to things. But I need to tell you something about what happened to me. Okay. 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 So You're I'm gonna me paint the, spot. the picture. I don't hide like no, no, no. my emotions and faces. No, no, well. no, it's not. It's not like that. It's <laughs> okay. not. It's not. It's not bad at all. It's just like funny. Okay. But I. I feel like this is something that I would tell my friends anyway, but I don't normally like share in the podcast. But I'm like, since you're here, okay. I can share, and it'll be kind of fun. So last Thursday, to paint the scene, they know I live with my sister. You know, I live with my sister. My yes. sister had been dog sitting, so she's not home. So I'd been like home alone for a couple days, and last. Thursday night at like 8.30 at night. It's dark. It's at night. I get a text on my phone from a random number that I don't notice. And normally when I get a random number, it's like just confirming your appointment. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like never Walgreens, like, pick up your yeah, prescription. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm not <laughs> passing my number out enough where it's like I'd be expecting a number from somebody new, mm-hmm. you know? So I immediately look at it because I'm like, oh, it must be a, my nail appointment coming up. It was not. And I need to read you. I'm nervous. I need to read you exactly what the message said. And I just want to know when I say it, how you would feel about this. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm ready. The message reads, hello, Tracy. How are you doing this evening? Let's play the guessing game. Any idea who this may be? Winky face. What? Dude, when I tell you shivers down my spine, I went and made sure that all my doors were locked. I went and closed all my blinds. Yeah. I was. I just like got the chills. Petrified. Okay. Also like, okay. You're obviously going to explain what happened next, I think. But like who talks like that? <gasps> the freaking weirdest. I evening, literally. Like. Yeah. Like the verbiage is just. Okay. Maybe it's just me, but also okay, like. I'm nervous. You, you, you fucked up at hello. Like who says yeah. hello? <laughs> Like, who's yeah. opening it's like, my... hey, it's like, hello, what's up? Like, also, did they spell your name right? Is that another thing? They did spell my name right. Okay, okay. All right, so it's someone, So concerning, know. concerning. Yeah. But I... Wait, read it one more time for the people. Okay. All right. Hello, Tracy. How are you doing this evening? Oh, explanation point. Oh. Let's play the guessing game. Any idea who this may be? Question mark, winky face. 
And how is it like typed out? Like, is it like, you know how some people like, in, like, like parents, like I feel like they sometimes like indent lines, like, hello, Tracy. Or no, is it just like one just paragraph like one, that's going? Okay. It's just like two sentences, like next to each other. Okay. Same thing. But. Oh my God, I'm scared. I what is to follow? I truly panicked. Yes. Who is this? Is that not the most bizarre thing? Who does that in this day and age? What? Like, and like, I wasn't expecting it. Like I said, it's also like the paint the scene. Like I'm yes. home alone. I don't get random numbers texting me very often. Totally. You know my name. It's late at night. I, I was nervous. So like, I see you on the couch. No, truly. That's why I went and closed all my blinds. <laughs> in your pajamas. Have, yeah, you're like, oh yeah, my no, God. That's so we scary. We have a um, sliding door for like a little porch and those blinds are usually open. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I have a peeping Tom. 100%. Totally, Somebody's really stalked creepy. me by now. Oh okay. my God. Wait, I'm dying. Okay. What? So obviously then I immediately have to start deductive reasoning to right. come up with some sort of conclusion from this. Right. You're first like, who did I get my number to recently? Yeah. You said nobody. Okay. No one. I did not give my number to anybody okay. recently. That is for a fact. Number two, it's a North Shore area code. Oh. So that makes it because normally if you get like a spam or somebody random, it's like an out of state area code. Yes, it's like a WhatsApp like, number. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I'm like, this has to be a real person. Yes. Did you wait? Did you Google the number? That would be my first next step. Um, I did try to Google the number. Okay. Nothing came up. Oh. Um, but I just know like I, I have friends in the North Shore. I know that it was like a. Yeah, it's, I know. Okay. Yeah, it was definitely in a North Shore area code. I tried okay. to Google it. I couldn't come up with anything that made sense to me. So I never responded. And oh. to this day, they like I, I was like, if it's somebody that's really trying to reach me or like somebody that I know, they'll for sure follow up with. Wait, you never said anything? I know because I literally panicked so much. And now you're just that, like living with that. Like this person, like. Yes. Wow. Yes. So wow. I, I was like, if they need me, like, or if that was a friend and they thought it was funny, like they would be like, be like okay. Yeah. It's so-and-so. The, the jig is up. It's mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Nothing. I still have never heard from them. Wow. So I am shaking in my boots. I would have immediately replied, who is this? Like, I would need to know. No, because if it was a serial killer, I'm not going to engage. But how could a serial killer, like random folk get your number and know your name like just googling well, you like are you on google tom Did, like could someone like maybe someone just like knew you and like googled you like tracy Shermerhorn and like I your mean, number came I up i do have a very um successful <laughs> podcast so maybe you know the paparazzi i don't know i would not them, be able to like know. sleep that night without knowing who that was um no i slept with one i freaking open yeah but wow. okay let me tell you wow. this this is the only conclusion that i can draw from okay. this um i still i haven't even like opened the text i don't even want them to know that i can read it i just i have oh. um the previews on and it's short enough that i can read the whole oh, thing i was gonna say so you know there's no more after that no more after okay. that okay yeah no nothing nothing so it's startling to me. However, the Very. only thing that I can come up with is, is this. So it dawned on me a couple days later that remember how I was in, I, I think I told the listeners this too, but in December I was in a car accident. Yeah. My Lyft driver freaking T-boned somebody in intersection. Mm -hmm. So I'd been going to physical therapy the last couple of months mm -hmm. and a couple of like weeks ago, my physical therapist, it's like a very small place. And she was going away on vacation to like a family wedding somewhere. Okay. And so they had this fill-in physical therapist come in okay. so that they could continue with yeah, patients sure. that week while that she was sense. gone. Yeah. And when I went in, I had him. And then the following week when she was back and I returned, she is like the cutest... 
to give you an idea, she's like Sofia Vergara, whatever her name is. Like yeah. she is like the cutest, like little. Oh my god, I'm obsessed with her. Yeah. And she's like, somebody has a secret admirer, and she was like giving oh. me like a little like wink, wink, and she's like, somebody <laughs> has a crush. And I was kind of laughing because at first I kind of felt weird about that. I'm like, yeah. the homeboy was like touching my body, like in physical <laughs> therapy. Like, don't you gotta keep what it parts of your body? My yeah. back. Oh. My back. But like. <laughs> And my hips, to be quite honest oh, with you. My God, my, my sacral area, my yeah. tailbone. But like, no, I mean, like I did. But I was kind of like, that's a little bit unprofessional. No, like yeah, I feel good. like I'm in a vulnerable position, and like you're you're supposed to be taking care of me, and now I feel like I don't know. Not, yeah. it's not that serious. I didn't think that much of into it, but I was just I just kind of brushed it off because I was like I didn't want to keep going in if he ever came back there totally. and then like have to like run into Deal him in like that again. scenario. Yeah, you know what weird. I mean? I was just like, oh, that's so sweet. Ha, like, ha, ha, ha. Ha. Fast forward to same week that I got this text message. Oh. I graduated from physical therapy. I finally completed it after like four months. Don't tell me you think it's him. I think it's him. I think it's him. I no. because because when I was leaving, they brought him up again, and they were like, "He still asks about you," and you know, I don't know if I can give him your number, and because yeah, that's like HIPAA. I was like. Well, I'm done now. So, yeah, if you want to give my number, you can give my number. That's fine. So, I, it didn't occur to me because I didn't give him my mm. number. So, like, I kind of forgot about it. But I just <laughs> also would have thought that, like, he would text me saying his name. Totally. I don't think that's very, So, like... I think that that's what... But I, that makes sense because I didn't give it to him. I think that he thought, like, it'd be funny, like... I would be expecting a text message from him. And so I would guess it was him, but literally did not occur to me until days later. And now I'm like, it's probably him, but I, it's you wow. No. Okay. Well, first things no. first, was he cute? You he haven't even cute. commented yeah. on that part. He, yeah. He was which is like a guy. huge part of this. He was if he's cute guy. that like, and we think it's him, like maybe you should. No, Bye. because if that's how you're going to talk to me, it's a no. <laughs> I don't care what you look like. First impression. Sorry, nothing else but, matters. Okay, okay. Nothing else matters. Right, right. But anyway, I just needed to share that story with wow. you. Yeah, I that thought is... that you would have a funny reaction. So. I don't know. I feel like if he was really trying to get with you and like hang out and I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's very like, I don't know. Not like a good way to like. That's, like, just, that's like, like his game. Like kind of. I mean, <laughs> the first thing when I read that, I thought of Jigsaw the movie. Like yeah. saw, like want to play a game. What was his personality like? Like he was really like chatty, sweet, nice guy. Mm-hmm. He was I don't friendly. Know, just like a I don't know. I'm not getting that yeah. vibe from him. Which I think. no, which is like, like I'm sure it was very like. Uh, he said very casually, like very jokingly, and like in a sweet way. Yeah, it's just that when you don't know who the person is that's sending you a message like that, it can easily be perceived totally. differently. And so me not knowing it was him, I read that and I was skeeved out by it. Yeah. I, if I, if, I if they had said their name in it, I may have instantly felt differently, but now that's in my mind and I can't get over mm-hmm. it. It's just weird to me. Totally. And I, I don't and know. It's I'm weird that like... you didn't try to recover. Like you fumbled, <laughs> the, you fumbled the bag and then you just left it there. So, you know, it was fucking weird. Too. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really I don't know. My instinct, my gut is not is telling me that this is not him. Even oh. though I, even though I well, don't know him. The, because that's like the only thing I can think of. If he was. Wait, I didn't even ask. Was he like our age? He was younger than me. OK, I was going to say people. Well, even worse. I feel like people our age, younger, don't like talk like that. Like, hello. Tracy, yeah, no, hello. definitely. Like, Have you heard that um, video of the guy that like leaves a voicemail and he's like, this is Dimitri from on the street. No. Oh my God! You need to listen to it. I'll Jeez. I'll post the video on the Instagram story. But there's there's like this sound on TikTok. Like this guy met this girl in passing or whatever. 
Yeah. And he, he like asked for a number and she gave it to him and I think he tried to reach out to her and then she kind of blew him off yeah. and he left her a scathing voicemail and it was like, oh. this is Dimitri. I don't normally play this game. I have called you and left you messages and I've texted you and I haven't heard back from you and oh. I'm a catch and like if you're not going to get back oh to me, God. I don't really associate with it. Like something like wild. Like Dimitri. this, the, like the audacity yeah, of this man. Wow. So it was giving like Dimitri and Saw vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I just wasn't I having it. Yeah, no, it's a no for me. But and again, that also is probably why I'm single because I literally have such a <laughs> negative connotation to and everything. You're like anyone, yeah. No, it's like I find the negative, but maybe I'm sorry. I just felt like anyone no. would perceive that I would creepily have been the same way. Okay, yeah. okay. I don't have much game or like you know. I don't know how to really yeah. have a flirt anymore, but like that's just like yeah. It's not. just like if that was really the case, if she already said like Tracy said, I can give you her number. Like yeah. you already have the end. Like just text me and be normal. Yeah, like, like hey, hey it's so and so. Totally, I agree. Like you don't, you don't need to give me like a pickup line. Yeah, where we've already spoken. But was that even a pickup line? Like, I don't. What let's was that? play. I think it was like fun. You know, like <laughs> let's play a game. Yeah, I don't like it. Before oh God, I, I don't, I'm gonna have nightmares. Literally, I, like that is, saw your ankle is, off. Yeah, no, I don't like that. All right, honestly, this has been 25 <laughs> minutes now. I'm so sorry. We need to get to the meat and potatoes of this episode, my girl. Yes, let's do um, it. But I'm so glad. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm glad we're on the same page there. So let's talk about the beginning of becoming a PA. So you, I mean, I've known this about you. Like you always knew you wanted to be in the medical field to some capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was something that you started working towards probably sooner than most people. Like, you know, they go into college and pick a major. I feel like you already knew what your plan was going to be. But um, would you maybe explain like where that passion came from and like when you really started to think about going down that route? Yeah. So I guess backtracking to like growing up. So my mom is a psychologist, a children's psychologist. Um, My father is a physician. And so like I kind of just like was just exposed to those things and like very early on, I guess. And I went to undergrad at George Washington in D.C. and knew that like I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but like knew I love to like provide care and and I'm very like a people's person. Like I want to be around people and like knew like medicine interested me. So I was like, all right, let me just major in something general. So I majored in bio and I was Mm -hmm. like, I'll just get my foot in the door and figure it out over time. I actually thought I wanted to initially go to med school, which is so weird to think about. I very quickly retracted that. I think like (laughs) sophomore year. (laughs) Why? Um, Because say why? Yeah. So a couple of things. So first I wanted to study abroad in Spain and I got actually accepted. I don't know if you ever knew this about me because like I don't talk about this really much. I like got my hopes up to go abroad to Spain, applied, got accepted and then found out that I would have to take like physics in Spanish in Spain. And I was like immediate. No, that's not going to I don't even, I don't even understand in English alone Spanish. So yeah. I was but like, you were- but I was so excited to go on the trip and then found that out. And I like quickly retracted and like. I feel like I didn't really like talk about it with people. So I don't know if I ever like told you about that. I feel like this has come up in conversation because okay. also you were, you double majored in Spanish. Yeah. Well, so I minored in minored. Spanish. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So like it, it, for me, that's surprising because, but I guess you weren't quite there yet. Right. Like yeah. now I feel like you speak it. Well, I know you're no, it's not in your day to day, but you can understand it and you can probably pick it back up yeah. like really quickly. I feel like you know the language well. Yeah. So I wouldn't think that would be something that would scare you or hold you back. Oh yeah. No, I, um, so I guess it's hard. Like, 
It's I really love Spanish yeah. and I wanted to go to Spain and experience the culture and travel. But I also like really knew I wanted to do medicine at the time. I thought I wanted to do pre-med and I was like, okay, this isn't going to work. I have to pick one or the other and I'll just minor in Spanish, not study abroad, but like continue the pre-med. And mm-hmm. then I was like, wait, do I actually want to do this? I don't know. You go to like med school for umpteen years. You're like in debt. You come out of it in residency, make like nothing for a very long time, get worked so hard and then work like five days a week after hours, weekends, like all these things. And you also as a physician, when you pick a career and like a um, area to focus in, you can't switch. So like if I want to be a pediatrician, like I couldn't later change my mind and like wanted to do, I don't know. Right. You could make that more medicine. granular. Yeah. Like you yeah. could do yeah. pediatric like surgery or pediatric like exactly. cardiology, like areas of it. But like you couldn't just go to like general medicine yeah, and exactly. work with adults. Mm-hmm. I liked, I started hearing about like nurse practitioner, physician assistant, which I feel like over this past handful of years have become more popular and back then like wasn't as popular. So like as I heard more and I was like, oh, what's this? Like, what's that about? And then I realized that you don't have to do that compared to a physician, like a PA, you can, like right now I have a job in two different fields. And so as I learned more about that, I was like, okay, no, I don't want to do pre-med. And also the flexibility of having a PA schedule and P schedule most usually is like a couple long days a week and then you're off for several days and I like lifestyle as well. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't know, this is sounding more and more better as I find out more. So yeah. I dropped the pre-med, decided I wanted to become a PA. So then I graduated from GW and then you have to have like clinical hours, like hands on patient care hours. Every school requires a different amount. So after I graduated, I spent like, I think like a year or so as a nursing assistant in a um, nursing home. I remember those days. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Clean and butts. Oh yeah. So many funny stories. <laughs> but um Yeah, I did that for like a year as I applied out and then went to Northeastern Physician Assistant Program, which was a small program, like 40 people. And PA programs nowadays are very different, like depending on where you go. So Northeastern does it like two years back to back, like through the summers with like a couple, like a week or two, like holiday for the um, Christmas holidays Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah, I went to school, PA school for like two years and then immediately took my certifying exam and then started working at Dana-Farber Brigham and Women's in Boston as an inpatient oncology PA. And um, yeah, so it's pretty cush. I love it. I've been there for, wow, crazy to say it loud, almost seven years. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. And you've done other things on the side, but like you've always been... Like since you started Mm -hmm. there, you've remained there. there. Yep. Really quickly, other than I think you just did a great job at like describing like the difference in education, Mm -hmm. also how there's limitations in terms of specialties. But just for anyone, if this is completely foreign to them, like high level, what are the biggest differences between a physician versus a PA in terms of like, you know, like what you can do, right? Like Mm -hmm. writing scripts, like things like that, or like how you can practice. Yeah. So both can write scripts. A big difference is that a physician assistant works under a physician. So we're working like under the physician's license. We can't open our own business just uh, as a PA alone. So like Christina, who opened up her own med spa, there's technically like a physician that signed on with her. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because nurse practitioners can open up their own businesses. Yeah. But yeah, PAs can't and you work under the physician. And so like at my current job at uh, Dana-Farber Brigham and Women's, so we basically like round with the doctors and then 
but we also are very independent because they then go to clinic and we're like on our own taking care of the patients. And obviously if we have like questions or issues that come um, up along the way that we can reach out to them, but yeah, it's basically like that relationship that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just spilled the beans that like you've done a little bit other things like you've done some like telemedicine and you have done some per diem at South Shore. What is your experience like with oncology versus other areas of medicine and like what has been maybe some of the challenges or some of the positive parts? Yeah. So I think working in oncology, everyone's always like, oh my gosh, that must be so tough. And I understand that and it is very tough, but it's also rewarding in a lot of ways because we're able to provide care for people with cancer diagnoses and help them feel maybe a little bit better and then like send them home. So there's some like nice aspect to it. Um, I work per diem at South Shore, but there I don't do oncology. I do just general um, inpatient medicine. I do cross cover actually both depending on the day and shift, but it's very interesting like because working in oncology, you have to basically everyone's immunosuppressed, right? So like they get the weird bugs and infections that you and I wouldn't get. So I kind of describe the job as like inpatient medicine, like what I do at South Shore, but on steroids, like it's very complicated and different. And you don't see like the, it's not like the common pneumonia. It's like people getting the weird bugs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I, like, I don't say this lightly at all. Like obviously in your position, you're always doing everything that you can to make sure that there's like no mistakes and your patients are cared for. Mm -hmm perfectly, but there almost has to be this even extra added layer of attention to these oncology patients because something that, you know, if there was a little mix up, like say, I don't know if this would even affect anybody, but like if my med was like off for a half hour, probably not going to do a big damage to me, but like them, you just want to make sure they're treated like extra delicately in a way. Yeah, Yeah, totally. A lot of different layer of like emotion goes into that, like caring for the patients and their families are obviously like sick, not feeling well, worried, concerned, like what does Mm -hmm. the future hold? Um, So there is a lot of the palliative care stuff that we do uh, with oncology that we don't do with other um, patient populations. For you as a caregiver, there must be an enormous emotional toll that's taken on you. And I know that because I'm your friend as well. Yeah. But, you know, at least with the general medicine, most of the time, those people are going to get healthy and get out of there and, and be well on their way. Whereas your cancer patients, they might be comfort measures. They might be with something that doesn't have a cure that isn't as simple as let's just get you healthy and get you out of here. Mm-hmm. Do you have to sort of change anything in your caregiving when not not just being the extra cautious obviously like we were just talking about but just like communication or certain things you have to do differently and how does that affect you personally when you have to go home yeah um so I think I feel like I carry myself very differently like at the two different jobs I have learned that just like a simple touch or like taking the time to explain things a little bit more can really go a long way And especially with that, with cancer patients. And so, yeah, so it definitely, my interactions, I feel like are very different. Like at South Shore, I have like a walkie talkie person our age with just like a cellulitis and they're like, just get me out of here. Like put me on the oral antibiotics and get me home. Whereas like, it's very different in town. So that's definitely, definitely something I've learned from the get go. And that has like stuck with me, um, is just like trying to like envision myself on the other side of it and how I would want to be cared for and talked to. And like, 
These aren't like our Joe Schmo walkie talkie young folks. These people don't feel well and like unfortunately come right back to the hospital a lot of the times like after discharge because they are prone to getting sick. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think that I think to go back to your initial question, I think that I didn't even answer like one of the hardest parts is we kind of build a rapport with our patients in Boston. Like, yes, we make them feel better and send them home, but they do often come back. And so it's like, oh, so-and-so's back again. Like her daughter got married and like she's, she, you know, so-and-so moved and like bought a house on the Cape and like just spent, got to spend some time there. And like, you know, you just get get to know your patients and their families more. And so it's really tough, like seeing them come back and getting with time, possibly sicker and sicker. And unfortunately Recently, I feel like we've been seeing a lot of younger patients too, which is really tough. Um, Yeah, like I feel like I don't know. I don't know if COVID had to had anything to do with it, like people ignoring their symptoms for so long. But we do have like often like young women in their 30s with metastatic breast cancer, or there's been a lot of like colon cancer in young guys lately. Yeah, I feel like that is a common pattern that we're seeing or that I've like read about, I've heard about, I've seen on TV, like a lot of people sort of put their health concerns to the side during COVID because they were just nervous or maybe they just like didn't want to be in the hospital. So they were thinking about like, oh, I don't want to get COVID. And then they ignored that one thing that they had going on. So a lot of things that, and this isn't for like every single person, every single case, but there are like some cases where if you had listened to your gut and like gone in sooner, Mm -hmm. maybe it wouldn't have gotten to this stage or gotten to this severity, Yeah, but people just held off because they were kind of freaked out by hospitals. Totally. And I don't blame them. It it was like, you know, a weird, scary time, but yeah, yeah, that definitely happened a lot where like people would have like back pain. They're like, I'm not going to the hospital. Like, you know, it's just back pain or like, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. but it could have been like a tumor on their spine, you totally. know, like it's it, scary. It, you think, yeah. And especially mm-hmm. I think older generations too. like, I know you're saying there's a lot of younger people coming in, but especially like I know my dad getting him into the hospital or like the doctor's office is like pulling teeth. I just feel like they yeah. have this like, so we're going to keep like pushing. I'm fine. Everything's yep. fine. So it almost like they got to finally lean into that. Mm-hmm. There was not much I could do. Right. Or like someone could do in those situations. It's like, oh yeah, you're right. The hospital is kind of a scary totally. place right now and yeah. so they were like yeah I told you I'm fine I don't need to go in um, but a couple of things on what you just said number one when you mentioned walkie talkie I don't want people at home to think that you're actually talking about a walkie talkie it's like oh, a medical sorry. I, I know <laughs> I, I know what you mean that. by it but I just want them to understand you're not yeah. talking about literally being on like a little remote control when you say walkie talkie it's patients who can walk and talk independently yes, totally they're communicative okay yes exactly a, sorry about clarify. that I should have clarified yeah no, that's totally fine I don't even manage one of them to know because they're like wait what's a walkie talkie um and so Secondly, I think that I can relate to what you're talking about is almost like there's pros and cons to both because I imagine that as much as as great as it is and rewarding to know that in general medicine, you know, some you have somebody who's sick, they get better, they go home and then they don't have to come back. Like, that's nice. But you do make connections with your patients. So it is kind of sad. Like, you'll never see them again. Like, you don't know how that turned out. Yeah. So that's kind of hard. But then at the same time, with these oncology patients who you're getting to know every aspect of their lives, that's also difficult totally. because ultimately, if God forbid, like it doesn't turn out well for them, then you were so invested in them that it Mm. makes it difficult. I remember when I was in my, I feel like I've told you this story before, but when I was in nursing school, I was in my um, pediatric rotation and I, with the like 
the year was split up. The first year we did peds and the second half we did maternity and then like yeah. the classes swapped. So the first half I did pediatrics and I was on a unit where this little girl who was like six years old and just born with cancer and just had all these comorbid- comorbidities with it, like a heart defect and all these different things. And I just got to know her mom. They were in there for like months at a time. And like I got to know her whole family and she was just so sweet and so full of life. And then the second half of the year when I was on my maternity unit, my maternity rotation, like my friends were on peds, they told me that she had passed and it just like broke my heart because I was so invested. I would see her every single week and I would talk to her every single week and like she was just the sweetest thing and it's just especially so sad when it's children and then I remember months later I was I went to school in in Portland so there's only one mall and I was like at the mall. I mean this was like almost towards the end of the school year. I hadn't been in there for so long. I obviously hadn't seen her mother, but I was at one of the stores in the mall and I saw her mother and her brother. Oh my gosh. And I remember being like, I want to go up and just say, I'm so sorry. And then I'm thinking of you, but then I'm like, will she remember me? Also, is that appropriate? Are you allowed to approach a patient like in this type of setting? I don't know. And I think about that all the time of like, I wish I just said like, you know, I like wanted to give her a hug or like, I'm sorry, or I'm thinking yeah. of her. And I think about it quite often. And I imagine you have many moments like that. I don't, yeah. I don't think you run into every single, you know, family or patient in, in the wild. Yeah. In real life. <laughs> but like, those like, oh, like coulda, shoulda, or like, I'm yeah. still thinking of them. I wish I knew, or, yes. you know, like I wish I stayed in touch or can, can you go to like a service, time. a funeral service if somebody passes or is yeah. that inappropriate? Yeah. Um, Definitely you can because it's been you done. Can. Yeah. But yeah, okay. I always have that. I have that similar feelings where I'm like, oh, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. I wonder like if they're okay. Like, yeah. if, you know, but yeah, because we, like I said, like they unfortunately come in a lot with mm-hmm. time as the cancer progresses. So that does happen a lot. Ugh. The other thing that I want to ask you about too is, I mean, we all know this in your profession, the shifts are long. You're usually doing 12 hour shifts. That's pretty standard or typical. And I'm curious what you may have had to change personally, like either habits or patterns or just things like maybe mindset because to stay sharp for 12 hours long, (laughs) and especially if you're doing it multiple days in a row, which I know that you do, that's really, really challenging. So not only is it like just, I need to stay awake and alert and do good at my job. I mean, your job is very much so like it requires your undivided attention and accuracy. So for you, how how have you adjusted to that as either like a person or just like kind of putting that hat on? And what's that been like for you to get into a good rhythm there? It took a while, honestly, because, um, yeah, so I've never had a job that was like 12 hours long. We do seven to seven. Thankfully, we don't have to do overnight. So it's just during mm-hmm. the day because, um, yeah, people in the emergency room, I don't know how they do that, like rotating schedules. I could never. But yeah, like you said, we do like three to four days in a row and then you get like four days off or whatever. And it takes a lot of time to realize like you got to get to bed at a like decent time because you're not going to function. Like maybe you will the next day, but like by day two or three, like it gets rough and straggly. Um, so I think like just getting in the rhythm of like getting enough sleep, meal prepping, which can be easier said than done. Yeah. So you don't have to like worry about like then coming home at night after you sit an hour of traffic, making lunch for the next day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and staying up for that. So I think just learning to um, be regimented and like 
sleep and like getting being productive while you can like for the short amount of time that you are home to get ready for the next day because or on your days off too like making sure that you do all the laundry and like all the stuff on those days so you're not like coming home and doing that um but easier said than done like i said so it's just like finding a rhythm for sure yeah and definitely trying to keep to a schedule as best as you can yeah i mean you know i like don't i feel like we have a a group text and i like don't speak for the those three days that i'm on because i'm just like (laughs) Helen comes like on Wednesdays and she's just like 17 text messages because she's finally come out of the cave. That is the hospital. Yes. Um, No, that's a good one. You do do that. Same but different. Yeah. As a mom of three, what have been some of the challenges with your schedule and being a mom? Like I I don't mean to tug on the heartstrings, but like that's missing dinner times and bath times and putting the kids to bed. And so what's that been like for you? Mm Mm-hmm. So I think, so as, depending on what field you're in, like if you do primary care, you're like home, I should say, usually home for dinner, right? Like you mm-hmm. work like the eight to five or whatever, you can be home for bedtime and dinner, me and the kids, a book and, you know, all those things. But there's pros and cons to that because like I get to work two, three days and then I get to be with my kids for four days. Right. So you kind of have to like pick your poison, but it is tough. I mean, for this past, uh, for Savannah, um, I was on leave for five months. So we did obviously like some sleep training, but not really. But then you're like back to work and you're like having to sleep train. And like Maya, who's now like getting old, doesn't want to go to bed at eight o'clock. So she's up when I'm home and then like bedtime gets dragged out a little bit. But I don't know, I guess, I guess there's not really like a good answer, but I, it's, it's tough. Like being a full like being a mom to like young kids and also having a full time job is mm-hmm. tough, especially with long hours, um, for sure. But um, yeah, but no, but that makes sense to me. It, it, like you know, it's one of those things. It, it is what it is, right? Yeah. And I hate to be like blunt about it, but it's like you, your hours are your hours, your schedule yeah. is your schedule. So there's not much you can change about it. Obviously, did is it a little bit sad or difficult to miss totally. some of those moments totally. for sure? But the flip side is you have all of those days off exactly. to then make the most of. 100%, so like yeah. even you know this weekend you were off and in Maya's birthday was yesterday, yeah. right? No, today's Wednesday. Um, it was Monday. Monday. <laughs> so. I'm like, what day is it? it? Um, But like you visited her at school and and when she went on Monday and then on the weekend, you like had a day where she got to pick whatever she wanted to do and like went to the movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's making the most of the time you do have and and taking advantage of those days off where it's like, not that it's ever going to be okay to miss a bedtime, but it just like makes it sting a little bit less. Yeah, exactly. Like I couldn't agree more. Like I, I think... I I just think there's no, like I said, like there's no like perfect world where you're going to be like home for it all. So you just have to um, kind of just make the most of the time that you are with them. Well, we're not going for perfect here, so that's fine. And thankfully they won't like remember a lot of this time when they're older. So they're not going to like remember that like I wasn't home every single night. Honestly, that's actually comforting. Yeah. Yeah. like, And I feel like (laughs) that is such the epitome of being a parent because you're like, it kills me more than it kills them. They're not going to notice. But it's like, that's a sacrifice you'll make. It also kills James because he's (laughs) the one home dealing with it all on those days. He literally was put on this planet to be a parent. He is super dad. He loves it. Oh he gosh. loves it. Um, also, you're definitely like, not that there's a bad cop, good cop, but like you're way more um, like strict and James is such it's, a 
freaking so lenient like gives maya whatever she has him wrapped around wrapped, her finger wrapped. and it's so funny because before we had kids like we always talked about like who's gonna be strict and who's gonna be like more fun totally what i thought and it was, it was the opposite yeah james was like i'm gonna like set the ground rules and like yeah she can't date or like look at a boy until she's like 37 and like and i was like yeah okay then she, the kids came and we were he was way more Lucy goosey and I had to, I found that I had to be stern like mm-hmm. because we couldn't have two fun wild parents that were like you don't want to go to bed like okay like you want to have some ice cream before bed like we can't have two both of us can't be doing that yeah. one person has to set the ground rules so yeah but yeah, that's actually I, a good a good point maybe it will change like you maybe, know you're, yeah. I feel like you're setting structure in their lives like as children to kind of like help build like their personalities and their who they're gonna be and then once you realize like okay my kids like does good in school like they're good my kids yeah. fine you'll probably <laughs> ease off a little bit and Maybe. then they'll get into dating and James is gonna start being the hard Stop. parent again <laughs> yeah we'll see Maybe we'll see that <laughs> the other thing that I'm curious too is now that you are a mother how does um your career impact the way you parent, if at all, because I know that even just from my experience being in school, I feel like I had, there was a period of time in my life where I would like think of like worst case scenario because I would like, I read this book. I remember the Mm -hmm. textbook. Like I would think of like all these crazy things, but also like when it comes to my family's health, my parents' health, I really feel like I am the one that like kind of steps up in my family because I know everything that like that's going on, Mm -hmm. Um, which is most of the time a benefit, but can be to a detriment because I get like too involved. But for you as a, like as a PA and as a mom, do you feel like if, God forbid your kids get sick, like you take a step back and let whoever their doctor is kind of handle it? Or do you feel this urge and kind of desire to like step in because you know what you're doing? Yeah, it's funny you say that. I would say that I, with my knowledge, I um, I feel like I would be, with if I wasn't in medicine, like I would be so anxious about like every little thing happening that I'd be like on the phone with the doctor in a second. But now having the background, I've been much more lax. Like James is the one to be like, oh my God, like he didn't eat his dinner. Like something must be wrong. Like let's call the doctor. And where I'm like, dude, no, like he's just like tired. He didn't nap today. Like he's just feeling off. Like you don't want to eat. Like, you know what I mean? Like I um, am the opposite of what I thought I would be, I guess. So like, I don't know, like with my medical knowledge, I'm able to like, I guess, assess them a little bit better. Like Nico, um, like if I'm like, oh, he might have an ear infection. I like, I know to like wiggle his ear a certain way and like that should make it hurt. And then like, if it does, then I'll call. If it doesn't like, you know, it's probably not an ear infection Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So I like save the call. That's a really good point. (laughs) And I also being in medicine, (laughs) like can't, I don't know, I can't, uh, I, I, I don't appreciate when people like complain about like little tiny things and like yeah um, like you don't want to be the one that brings their kids in for no reason because you know what it's like when people come in and they don't need to be there yes so I try to avoid that yeah (laughs) and do a little assessment on my own (laughs) before I sound crazy that's fair I feel like that's what I would picture Mm -hmm. but then again I feel like I can see too, you know, it's your kids. It's a different story. I I imagine sometimes it's hard to be able to separate the two. You probably just like, you know, like, oh no, are they okay? I'm good. I'm glad you're able to do that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Also, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about COVID. I mean, we're three years out at this Mm -hmm. point, but it's still clearly very much 
going yeah. on and current. Um, we talked about it a little bit before, but I want to um, first and foremost say thank you for all of your work <laughs> and your help and being present in those moments when they're extremely scary. And not to put you on the spot, but Helen does have asthma. So like you were talking mm-hmm. about pa- cancer patients being immunocompromised, like you are too. So yeah. it's, and it's very, and Maya's had some yeah, like, breathing stuff. She has stuff. asthma officially. She has asthma officially. Yeah, so she diagnosed this year. Because yeah. they wait until you're a certain, certain age, age or something, right? Yeah. yeah. So and they she d- had like a little flare like last year, and then she mm-hmm. had it very quickly again after a couple months. So they like officially diagnosed her. Yeah. So not only are you putting yourself in a compromised position, then if God forbid you caught anything, you know, you're bringing it home for your children. Yeah, totally. It's very scary. So mm-hmm. you're very brave, and we appreciate you, oh, and we love you. love you. But can you give us a little bit of a lens? into what it was really like during that time and some of the things that were going on. Cause I think, you know, behind those four walls, you guys have probably some things going on, some thoughts, some different points of view that like we're not aware of, right? Yeah. Cause you gotta put on that brave face for patients cause mm-hmm. that's your job. But like, what was the reality of it all? Scary, it was, scary times um being in the hospital um so well well, first and foremost like I felt very aloof I guess I should say because I was in the hospital exposed to all these germs um people that may or may not have COVID taking care of COVID patients um the hospital like had a structured way at first um, when things started, like if you were taking care of COVID patients, you were only taking care of COVID patients. But now it's kind of like all, you know, mixed up. But um, having that exposure, I felt um, very aloof because I would then go home and feel like I couldn't even like touch my babies or my kids or my husband. And so like I, we had like a system where I would like go in through the basement, like through the garage in the basement, take off my, like have extra clothes there every day, take off my scrubs, take off my shoes, like go upstairs, take a shower, then see my kids if they were still awake or my husband. Um, And I felt like a lot of my friends and family like didn't want to almost hang out with me sometimes because I I feel like you didn't want to hang out with me. Well, I, yeah, I, I also felt some like guilt being like, I just had COVID patients yeah. and I may or may not have like exposed uh, myself. Like, should I be exposing other people there in turn? Like, is that selfish kind of thing? Um, but I do feel like other, there were friends and family that were kind of like, we kind of like want to you know, keep also, our distance. So you need help with childcare. So like you need yes, your family, exactly. you know, right? Yeah, totally. So it's a difficult um, Yeah. So my mo- I'm fortunate enough to have my mom and grandmother um, watch my kids while I work, um, so I didn't want to expose them. And like, so yeah, it's it was just like a scary time. I feel like a lot of people felt alone. Um, and it was frustrating, obviously, also that there was a lot of people that weren't taking COVID seriously um, in the beginning um, and kind of thought it was like a hoax. And we were like actually living it and seeing it every single day. Um, when we didn't know um, a lot about it at first, we actually um, had like COVID teams and we... Um, had pa- we would interact with patients on iPads. Like we wouldn't, we would only have to go in and uh, evaluate them and talk to them and like examine them if there was some like a change. Like they actually didn't want, like they wanted minimal interaction in the very beginning, um, which w- made the job obviously difficult. Um, yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> yeah, it just it was like a weird time, um, and it was frustrating to like have people. Some people got very sick, obviously, that had cancer and ended up dying from it. And they were, like, saying goodbyes to their family via iPad, um, via, like, FaceTime, because um, 
the visitor restrictions and things like that. So we were like living it, seeing it every single day. And there weren't people that were taking it seriously. And it was obviously, it's very frustrating being on the other side of it, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I can imagine too, the immense pressure of, we look to you guys for answers, right? And <laughs> there were probably so many moments where people are coming to you expecting you to have it all figured out, but this was brand new. No one knew how yeah. to give answers and provide context and like, how can I really reassure you on something that we haven't seen fully develop yet? So that must have been a weird complex, like in your relationships and interactions with patients where yeah. you're like, Normally, you're supposed to say yes answers. or no to yeah. something. You can, <laughs> yeah. They ask a question, you can answer it. And how did you have to sort of like change the way you approached answering questions because you didn't have answers? Was it was it kosher to just say like we don't know that yet, or were there certain yeah. words that you had to use or different like you know little like buzz? phrases you know what I mean yeah I mean um the hospital is very good at giving us like resources and like um data points like sending out emails about like the newest and latest information that there was about COVID um so we knew how to care for the patients what like tests to order um what like inflammatory markers to like help decide like are they getting worse or are they getting better like um so we had a lot of data points that like other people um like patients didn't really understand or um um at the at the time but um it helped that a lot of people were understanding like that the fact that it was a new phenomenon. I don't, I've had, I think I've had like very few interactions where people were like annoyed that like I didn't have answers, but like being able to say like, Hey, this is what we know. This is the information we have. Um, we're doing our best to take care of you. We're all mm-hmm. learning as we go kind of thing. I think most people were receptive to that for sure. That's good. Yeah. To be honest with you, I feel like people are damned if they do damned if they don't. Right. Yeah. Like if you say the wrong thing and then people are going to hold you to it, but then if you don't have an answer, then they're going to be upset. So you really yeah. can't like yeah. win. Yeah. But I think that in most situations, like yeah, people are it's better to say, I don't know than to say the wrong thing. Yeah, and or, you can yeah. always say like in general COVID or not, like whatever topic, like, they always, you know, like, I don't know, like, let me check and I'll get back to you. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, let me ask and I'll get back to you. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like people were pretty receptive. Do you feel like the hospital setting has come back to normal, so to speak? Or do you feel like there's still um, differences? Um, yes and no. Uh, like, we don't have a COVID team anymore. So it's like, I, I could have like two COVID patients and then like five other non-COVID patients. So it's like, I'm not feeling as isolated, like in a specific part of the building, isolated from like other people. Um, Yes, we're still wearing masks. I hear that we may be getting rid of it sometime soon, though. Some hospitals have already gone gone rid of it. Yeah. Um, So we'll see. Yeah, you heard it here first. We both didn't hear from me. Lose my name and number, though. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, like in the elevators, we used to only have, there was like signs everywhere. There's like six people only. And, um, the elevators are very busy. There's like five elevators in, at, at the Brigham. So like there's like dots on the elevators. It's like where you had to stand yeah, and you like couldn't turn, you know, and like interact and be like, you can like talk to like the person behind you. Like you had to stay forward. Like it just was like a weird time. Um, yeah. So yeah, things have, are definitely like easing up and getting better. Obviously it's still a thing and there are still patients that are sick with it, especially in our patient population that are very sick with it. Not just, um, you and I walkie talkies uh, that will be like, you know, get over in a couple days. Like there are people who are like in the ICU and still like intubated with it. But, um, 
thankfully we have like antivirals and things now that we didn't have before and people are um it's not as common to be as sick yeah it's funny that you said i feel like there's some things that i've like applied to my everyday like like going into the i think about like airport elevators like if you're going to the parking garage or like elevators in a hospital like i used to be like I'm getting into this elevator because I'm not waiting. And I feel like now I'm just like, I'm chilling. Like, yeah. I can wait for the next elevator. It is yeah. kind of funny how there's little things that have changed. Like, totally. I never thought it was weird. Like, on the T, everyone's on top of you. And now I'm kind of like, no, nah, I'll just stand over yeah, there. I, you know? I, st- I still want my personal yeah. place for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I did do, speaking of elevators, is take the stairs a lot during COVID. Wow. Um, did you need your nubby? <laughs> yeah. Nubby, aka yeah. nebulizer, yeah. your inhaler. My inhaler. Um, and now I don't. <laughs> I should go back to doing that. Jennifer like the only exercise credits her um, f- figure staying so tight in yeah. her age because of always taking the stairs. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. She's inspired She's me, right. but um, wow. I just haven't applied that Note yet. Note to self, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, last but not least, I want to kind of end with, um, you mentioned that you're seeing younger folks come into the hospital these days. Mm-hmm. Um do you have any maybe advice or like not like a warning? I don't want to sound like negative, but thinking about if the majority of this audience is females in our young thirties, yeah. mm-hmm. um, as from your professional opinion and, and expertise, like what are some of the things that we should be staying on top of with our health? If whether it's routine checkups that maybe people aren't always doing or staying yeah. like religious to, yeah. or just signs and symptoms that maybe we should be more cautious of and mm-hmm. check on just to make sure that we're staying healthy. Yes. Um, Definitely physicals, obviously, like off the rip. That's yeah, important. Okay. Like yes. getting seen by a health professional once a year for a throw exam, like head to toe, um, is definitely important. Um, I think um, other things, though, like also as young women, like going to your gynecologist, like how often you're supposed to go mm-hmm. um, is important because nowadays there's like things like HPV that causes cervical cancers and things like that. So like getting your routine checkups um um, and breast exams, like doing self breast exams, like all those things. Cause, um, yeah, I think all that is really important. When do you start getting mammograms? Um, they actually just recently changed the age and I'm, that's a bad thing that I don't know. I forget if it's, f- I feel like it's 50 older or 40. now, right? Yeah, it yeah. used to be younger. Yeah. I can't remember. Off and, I remember mm-hmm. hearing that because I thought it was weird. Normally yeah. I would think that it would be younger. younger. You want to start more and, yeah. you know, be preventative. And I think it was the other way yeah, around. Yeah. yeah. So that was strange. I want to say it's around 50, but don't quote me. Um, okay. Also, um, for pap smears, yes. it's every three years once you turn 21, right? Yeah. Okay. Because I will never forget one time I like scheduled. Unless it's obviously like abnormal, then you have to like go back. Of course. Everywhere. Of course. Yeah. But I remember like one year I made an appointment and I went in and she was like, what are you here for and I was like pap smear and she was like you're like you got one two last years year. early and I yeah. was like don't I do that every year and she yeah. was like no get out of my office and I felt so uncomfy like oh my god voluntarily goes to get- like, well can you just do it anyway since I'm here she's like no I felt like such a perv like I was like I'm so sorry I will leave please so oh my god. I, I was like oh wait but don't I um need to come in to like for my birth control I like try to make another excuse and she was like, like nice no. try I was like okay I'm just gonna go I'm just gonna oh my go god, such a good little patient you are um yeah well also i got like all mixed up when i came back from la like i forgot yeah like i hadn't seen like a dentist in a while i hadn't seen like a couple different so i was like trying to just make up for lost Mm -hmm. time and then i think i went overboard (laughs) scheduling all of my appointments with all my doctors 
Yeah. Yeah. My doctor, my PCP now, I call her like probably once a week. I'm like her best friend. She literally. Yeah, you love that woman. She's like you again. Yeah. She she like loves we have a love hate relationship. Yeah, she loves me, but she also me hates all me. About her. She She's the like cutest. cutie pie. Yeah, I'm just I'm overly cautious. I've become a little bit of a hypochondriac in my late age. But um, yeah. Oh wait. Also, one more thing that's that reminds me. me like something to say to people is don't ignore anything that you notice or pick up on. Like even if you think it's silly, like I think it's better safe than sorry. Like just running it through your doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had a, I have had this like mole on my arm for God knows how long, like ten years, and it's kind of sh- changing in shape. And I was like, I sometimes find it funny that like I go back and forth. I'm like, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to be annoying because I'm on the other side of it, and I and I know how annoying that can be. But also like I like I'm concerned. Like I want like this to be checked because I know what it could be. You know what right, I mean? Right. Right. Um, but I would think that you would have access to like more immediate care. Like it could yeah. be like, you could almost informally, you know, ask a peer or yeah. a colleague while you're there. So it totally in those situations, I don't think that's taking advantage. It's just like, that's Hey, yeah. you know, that's true. We do Dr. That. Joe, do. take a peek yeah. at this. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Joe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I like brought it up in my recent physical. I was like, by the way, I've had this for like six yeah. years and it's changing. Uh, and I felt like so silly saying it, but she was like, Oh yeah, that's like totally fine. It's like benign. It's yeah. called this and that. But like, um, yeah, anyways, what it I was getting to. It never hurts to ask. Yeah, never hurts to ask. Better safe than sorry. Yeah, I know. I definitely, like, I feel like I turned 30 and I was going to, like, my neurologist, a dermatologist. I think, All like, it's just, <laughs> like, taking, I don't know. I think because, like we were saying before, the older generation was just so, like, unless I'm coughing blood, like, yeah. I don't need to go to the doctor, you know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? And I think I've taken the other extreme where I want to learn from those mistakes and go see specialists and go to, you know, get checked up on because there may be things that I'm not aware of. I don't, yeah. and I say that, like, I take advantage of it and I call my doctor once a week. I don't, I'm kidding. But like, I, it's <laughs> but you do like, call her often. <laughs> but like, you know, like, it's once a month, but like everybody else, I don't do that yeah. too. Everybody else, I don't do that too. But yeah, it is important. I was like, I, I want to go, I was living in California for three years like I want to have yeah. my skin assessed you totally. know in the sun all the time like yeah. was I was there anything to be worried about mm-hmm. um but then more specifically anything like rare maybe symptoms or th- symptoms that we would think nothing of like is there something such as pain in a certain area or if you have um circulation issues like anything in particular that you think that either people would blow off Mm -hmm. or could blame on something else Mm -hmm. that you would say I would actually like you to ask your doctor about that next time you know what I mean well that's a good question um just so people feel encouraged and empowered to go get checked up yeah no no that's that's good um I think what comes to mind immediately is um like I hate to say like abdominal pain. I hate to say back pain because that could be like something so small or something so big. So that's tough. But like if you're having trouble going to the bathroom, like Mm. like incontinent or like any signs of bleeding or anything, like I don't know, that's not normal. Like get checked up immediately. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Don't Don't send me. Don't send me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think like, you know, things like a headache, like so many of us have headaches, but it's like, a headache that won't go away or like the worst headache of your life. Mm-hmm. Like that is concerning. Um, that like won't go away with like yeah. Tylenol, ibuprofen. Like, and also is there something about like 
if you're always getting a headache in the same spot, or is that not a thing? To no, worry usually about? like that. Migraines commonly are on the same spot. Like I always get a headache in a certain spot, mm-hmm. like right above my eyebrow. Um, but um, no, it's not really the certain spots. I like, but the headaches that don't go away are um, definitely worth yeah. s- talking to someone about. Um, let's see what else. Um, you don't need to like make things up. I was just curious if anything no, yeah. came to no, mind. Yeah. Um, it's t- again, like it's so hard tough to advocate like, for ourselves when it comes to our health. Yes. And I think I just want people to know that you're not crazy. No. Um, and if any of these things are happening to you, yeah. your doctor is there. You have yeah. insurance for a reason. Like totally. You pay in that pay for them, a reason for ask sure. Ask the questions, go yeah, get checked get, up on. Like no one's going to think. <laughs> get your money, honey. <laughs> okay. Um, last but not least, General life advice. I ask every single guest before they wrap up their episode to give me a piece of whether it's their like go to sort of saying or mantra. If it's a lesson that they learned, something that someone told them and they've always, you know, applied it or meant something to them ever since. Just for our fearless women out there that are listening. So it doesn't have to be advice. It It can can be anything. It can be, yeah, like a saying, it can be a piece of advice. It could be anything. Words to live by. Okay. It could be first one that comes your book quote. (laughs) (laughs) First one that comes to mind is, um, live, laugh, love. (laughs) God, no. The first one that comes to mind is like, I guess never assume because when you make when you assume you make an ass out of you and me and I know it's like funny but it's it, it's something I used to do all the time is just like make assumptions about people and I've learned with experience and getting older like you never know what someone's dealing with or, or what's going on in their day um, and yeah that's never a right move so. I like that because yeah. even though it's kind, it's kind of like a silly saying, you brought yeah. it back down. There's yeah. a lot of meaning and heart totally. in that. And especially yeah. I'm sure in healthcare, people like patients exactly. surprise you a lot too. Yeah. Um, but it is true. Um, people jump to conclusions and you never know what they've been dealing with. Exactly. I like that. So be a little kinder. And don't yep. assume. Don't be an ass. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> really. Thank you so much for being here and doing Thank this. you for having me. I'm so me. excited this to have so had fun. you. Yay. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.